Today on the newscast, it's hard to believe, but it's been 10 years since the so-called Arab Spring erupted in the Middle East, and what a decade it has been. During that time, we've seen numerous empires and wannabe empires rise and fall. So where are we at right now, and what comes next? Get my take coming up. Hey folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman Newscast. I will never forget where I was in February 2011, over 10 years ago now, as the streets of Egypt were on fire and that country was being rocked by a revolution that would see longtime strongman Hosni Mubarak overthrown. I was sitting in a friend's apartment in Jerusalem, just a few hundred miles from Cairo, which was ground zero of that revolution. Remember the chaos at Tahrir Square in Cairo, and I'm there with my friend, and we're talking, I'm sitting there thinking and watching this unfold, and I'm saying, man, this is not going to be good. I knew very well that the most powerful political and ideological force in Egypt, other than the Mubarak regime, of course, was the Muslim Brotherhood. It was pretty clear that the Muslim Brotherhood now had a golden opportunity that it had been waiting for for decades to seize power in the most populous and most influential Arab nation, Egypt. It didn't take a brain surgeon to see that, folks, that this, is what was, this was what was going to happen. And guess what? That's exactly what happened, helped in large part, and Mubarak's fall helped in large part, as Barack Obama, who was the U.S. president at that time, removed his support for a longtime U.S. ally, Hosni Mubarak, the dominoes really started to fall then, and it wasn't long before Hosni Mubarak found himself in prison and the Muslim Brotherhood ascended to power, which was a disaster. Thankfully, a short-lived disaster. We'll talk about that more in a minute. One quick thing before we get into our rise and fall of empires and where we are at now, one decade on from the so-called Arab Spring, which quickly devolved into an Islamist winter. Quick note, we see some echoes right now, I believe, of what unfolded in 2011 in terms of the Biden administration distancing itself from Saudi Arabia. Again, another longtime U.S. ally, but the Biden administration is essentially a third Obama term when it comes to foreign policy. I do not say that as a compliment, and we see this distancing right now from the Saudis just as Iran is on the march in the region very, very dangerous policy right now by the Biden White House, to say the least. More on that in a minute. But let's lay this out, folks. Hey, this is a big anniversary, right? The Arab Spring. Don't you remember the, the mainstream media around the world, in Europe and the United States in particular, and left-wing politicians and international voices all saying this was going to be a great thing. Democracy was going to blossom in the Middle East. It was finally here. It was a new day. Well, it didn't exactly pan out that way. During this decade, not only the Arab Spring, obviously, which was an, an historical event, which changed the face of the region, but in that time, we've had empires, and wannabe empires, I call them, rise and fall. Think about it, folks. Think about the past decade and what has gone down. That's why I think it's very important for us to get into it today on the newscast. One empire, the Muslim Brotherhood, they saw themselves hey, we're going to seize power in Egypt, and they did, for a short time at least, we're going to seize power in Egypt, and then our revolution will go out from Egypt 
across the region. Remember, the Muslim Brotherhood's whole rationale for existence is to reestablish the Islamic Caliphate, which disbanded in 1924 with the end of the Turkish-led Ottoman Empire. More on them in a second. But the Caliphate is a union of all Muslim nations, united under one supreme ruler, a caliph, they would call him. That's what the Brotherhood is all about. That is their goal, to unite Islamic nations under Sharia law to revive the caliphate. They had a strong showing in Tunisia, as I mentioned, Egypt. They had a great sympathizer in Turkish strongman Recep Erdogan. They were stirring in Jordan and elsewhere in the region. It was a very dangerous moment where we said, "Uh uh-oh, the Brotherhood could be about to fulfill or at least be in a good position to fulfill that dream of starting to revive the caliphate. That did not happen. The Brotherhood was overthrown by uh, General al-Sisi, now President al-Sisi. And once that domino fell in Egypt, was the, which was the real power base for that movement, it all kind of fell apart in a sense. Big crackdown by Sisi on the Brotherhood in Egypt. I'd say they're probably even stronger in the West today with their various front groups in Europe and, yes, right here in the United States. But they're kind of like a jihadi vampire, I would say, the Muslim Brotherhood. They've been down throughout the decades, but never quite out. So they are still very active. Do not discount them. But certainly, they have taken their lumps in Egypt. Okay, that's one wannabe empire that rose and fell pretty quickly. The next one, again, with dreams of a caliphate, ISIS. 2013, roaring out of the deserts there in Syria and Iraq. Uh, forming an Islamic state. They call, they call themselves, look, the Islamic state of Iraq and Syria. That is what ISIS stands for. Forming a mini caliphate. They conquered, I, I believe it was 58,000 square miles of territory, an area equivalent to the size of Great Britain or the state of Indiana here in the United States. That's a large area that ISIS was able to conquer in Iraq and Syria also. Uh, they had a, had a presence and still have a presence in Egypt's Sinai Peninsula, in Yemen, and in other places throughout the region. It said, wow, okay, is ISIS, are they going to establish some kind of caliphate here? They were on the march, and thankfully, again, that did not happen. The Trump administration kept its word, crushed that ISIS caliphate in Syria and Iraq. They're still active, they still have a presence, but nowhere near where they were. All of that territory they controlled is now lost. And again, they were very, look, they had a presence. This was a movement, folks, a global movement they had going. If you remember, think back to those days, 2014, 2015, beheadings of Americans on TV carried out by ISIS, Westerners by British ISIS members. We had American ISIS members. This was a global movement that captured the imagination of radical Islamists around the world, in particular here in the West. We had droves of young Western Muslims leaving the uh, United States and Europe, traveling to Syria and Iraq to train with and fight with ISIS. And they were carrying out attacks here on Western soil. Again, a very dangerous moment. Now that caliphate has been crushed. The luster, maybe, of ISIS has dimmed in the view of young radicals here in the West. But again, this is the kind of movement that could rear its head again uh, at any moment. So keeping an eye on that still, but that was two, those were two, in, a, in quick succession, right? The Muslim Brotherhood and ISIS both claiming uh, we're going to form a caliphate, a new Islamic state, and quickly ushered, I don't want to say ushered aside, it was a tough fight in both situations, but now they ha- their star has dimmed 
So who's next? Who's up now? Two big players right now in the Middle East who want to revive ancient empires. The Iranian regime wants to revive the Persian Empire, and Turkey, under Recep Erdogan, wants to revive the Turkish Ottoman Empire, which was the last forebearer of the Islamic Caliphate. Now, we talk about Iran and Turkey a whole lot here on the newscast, and for good reason, because they are very active and in a bad way in the region, and it affects all of us, no matter where we live, what happens in the world's most pivotal and chaotic region. Number one, Iran, clearly. I mentioned Assad and Syria, a vassal state of Iran right now. They have spread their tentacles throughout the region. Syria, Yemen, Iraq, and Lebanon are essentially Iranian client states. Not only that, they have armies of proxies, whether it's the Houthis in Yemen, uh, Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad in Gaza, the various Shia militias in Iraq, uh, Hezbollah, obviously, in Lebanon. So Iran is a strong player in the region. And by the way, they're marching towards a nuclear weapon and developing a boatload of ballistic missiles which could deliver those nuclear weapons. So Iran, obviously, uh, a nasty, nasty player at the top of the list of the new wannabe empires, I guess you would say. Then you have Turkey under Recep Erdogan, who was not very happy when the Muslim Brotherhood was deposed in Egypt. He is essentially, and his party, the AKP, is essentially the Turkish version of the Muslim Brotherhood. So you get where he's coming from. He has also spread his tentacles throughout the region. He's thrown his hat in the ring in different conflicts across the Middle East and North Africa, uh, whether it is in Libya, whether it's in Iraq, whether it's in uh, the conflict between Azerbaijan and uh, Armenia, also in Syria. He's involved in squabbles over Mediterranean territory in the Mediterranean Sea. So this NATO member, who I describe as NINO, NATO in name only, is making moves as well. They're the two main players right now jockeying for position in the Middle East, Iran and Turkey, and that will continue. Now, sometimes they work together, but many times they have their own interest, which they are pursuing. They have common interests in some ways. Both are fiercely anti-Israel, for one, and Turkey has certainly taken a turn away from the West and away from NATO, but at the end of the day, they're looking out for number one in both cases. Of course, we have Russia involved in the Middle East once again, looking to revive their Soviet glory days. Folks, they're in Syria, and they are in Syria to stay. Russia is not going anywhere and they want to flex their muscle and show global influence again. And what better place to do it than the world's most strategic region, the Middle East. So Russia involved as a player as well, of course, with a still a huge nuclear arsenal. Looming behind all of it is China, which is, look, an emerging global superpower, an adversary to the United States, and increasingly involved in the Middle East and with a very cozy relationship with the Iranian regime. Now, here's the good news. Just to encourage you, as all of these wars and rumors of wars continue to unfold and nations and empires jockey for global domination, at the end of the day, only one will remain standing. His name is King Jesus. His kingdom, his government will have no end. And then and only then will man stop striving and vying for position and live in true peace and harmony and justice under Jesus, who will rule from his city, Jerusalem. 
That day is coming, folks. Until then, I will continue to have that blessed hope. I will watch all of these events unfold in the Middle East and around the world, and I will have the peace that surpasses all understanding because I know that God Almighty still sits on the throne and a glorious kingdom is coming, the true kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us here today on the Watchman Newscast. Until next time, God bless you. And remember, never hold your peace.